Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anil Polat. Welcome to year one. Actually, by the time you're listening to this, the first episode of the podcast came out on December 17, 2019. And uh, I'm recording this a day before that. So I thought at the end of this podcast, let's take a look back at the first year of this podcast. But first, a couple of things that I want to talk about today. One is Turkey's dual COVID policy. So um, we talk about how Turkey is implementing a two-tier lockdown system, one for residents and the other one for tourists. Then I want to respond to some of my most controversial videos, just sort of in general, because of a, a video I made recently, which generated a little bit of controversy, depending on, well, I'll get into that. It, it sort of depends, but I wanted to talk about both making content that people will like and content that people won't like and sort of the thought process behind that. And then, like I said, taking a look back at the first year of the podcast and just going behind all of the the, the sort of the, the evolution of the podcast over the last year. And it's been quite, quite an evolution, especially in this COVID year. Um, but I, I'm really proud of the the content that I and my guests have been able to put out. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that, take a look back and a look forward as well to see what's coming up. So first, let's get right into this episode. Let's talk about Turkey's dual COVID policy. So I'm looking at this Insider article, but there were articles on the New York Times about this, and it's about this two-tier lockdown system that Turkey has going on it. And as many of you know, Turkey and Istanbul is a very popular destination, but it's one of the few countries that a lot of people from around the world can travel to right now. So a lot of people around the world are traveling to these, to Turkey, you know, to, to the few places that are open, Mexico, Albania, Turkey is a pretty major one because it's such a, a crossroads, especially Istanbul. And people are taking advantage and traveling there. And over the summer, Pretty much, Turkey was pretty open. Uh, you might have seen my video of what it's like living in lockdown there earlier, sort of in the summer. But you know, in that video, I mentioned that that things were getting more relaxed and people were getting more relaxed with the different restrictions. You weren't seeing as many masks. You weren't seeing as much social distancing and so on. And that made sense from, I guess, from an economic point of view, if you want to look at it, because summer. Uh, is the time when most people are going to go visit Turkey. It's the travel season in the Northern Hemisphere generally, but also it's the time of the year where it's warm and people can go to the beach and they can go you know, to the coast and get some sun. And for a lot of people in Europe, that's Turkey is one of the major destinations for that. So um, the economy sort of opened up and, and Turkey really opened up to tourism in uh, in the summer, but as expected, the lockdowns began to start happening sort of toward the end of September when, ironically enough, most of the tourists weren't weren't there. Uh, I'm sure that's not a coincidence. So there are less tourists, there are less people. The lockdowns start happening. It's colder, more people are indoors, the things have gotten more relaxed, so COVID is spreading more. And so you've got these restrictions coming, coming around. And uh, for a lot of you, uh, who happened to be in Istanbul at the moment? Uh, I'll, I'll go into this insider article, and I want to break this down in a in a couple of different ways. But the the title is, "Locals are furious about Istanbul's strict lockdown double standard that allows tourists to wander around freely," 
and it's saying Turkey is seeing a massive surge in COVID cases and is tightening its lockdown. Turkey does not require tourists, though, to quarantine or show negative test results. They can roam Istanbul, the country's, the country's largest city, freely. And uh, they talked to some locals in this, and uh, we're going to go into that. But uh, so far, there have been now these lockdowns in Turkey. So from about Friday you know, evening until Monday early morning, you can't go outside. Pretty much, you just can't go outside. It's, it's this weekend lockdown, which was the case earlier in the year. So... Um, you know, in February, well, really starting in March, April, and May, there were these weekend lockdowns. And then toward holidays, there would be these longer four-day lockdowns. And there is a four-day lockdown coming up right over New Year's. So uh, those people in Turkey, uh, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know if the split applies to tourists, but I don't think so. But for residents, at least, there's a four-day lockdown. It's happening right over New Year's. It's a holiday to keep people indoors. Um, and you know that but it says this strict lockdown doesn't apply to tourists so while quote while istanbul locals were forced to stay inside between 9 p.m friday and 5 a.m monday international tourists were able to freely walk around the city and it said that most new york the new york times reports that most museums stayed open to visitors only hotel restaurants were allowed to remain open but only to hotel guests the lockdown was monitored by police, according to the New York Times, who checked IDs to make sure locals, beside essential workers, stayed home. Anyone found breaking the lockdown was fined 400 US dollars. That is a massive fine for Turkish standards. That, that's a big chunk of money. But what I'm wondering is, you know, okay, they're residents, but what about many of the dual citizens that are visiting Turkey, you know, from, from the big communities in Germany and, and the Netherlands, do they count as tourists? You know, do they count as resident? You know, they're not residents, but they have a Turkish passport. Is it based on citizenship? To me, in these articles and in what I've seen in the media, it's not very clear. And I'm guessing it's not very clear to the people, the police on the streets who are enforcing this. So um I think a lot of people can get caught in this gray area and may either have some trouble or end up paying a fine. So, you know, it, it's it, it's not only this sort of bizarre policy, but it's one that's difficult to kind of not only enforce, but differentiate who's a violator and who's not. I think, you know, it's one of those things where the people, there's this big gray area, I think, especially when it comes to tourism. You have people that either A, maybe dual citizens visiting in town, they may be people who are like one of my previous guests, like Ellie Quinn, who's staying for months, you know, staying as long as the tourist visa will allow. But imagine, you know, that's clearly someone who's a tourist. But imagine somebody, let's say, who's got a dual citizenship, who's visiting family. Do, are, are they a tourist? I mean, they're not really a resident if they live in France, are they, right? So it's kind of weird. And and uh, let's also not mention the fact that that's completely not how germs work, right? So it's not like the germs are going to go, all right, all right, all right. We're not going to touch these tourists, we'll only get the locals, but we can't really get to them because they're indoors. So you know what? Let's just let's just sort of leave everybody alone. So, um, you know, and, and I think that the question for a lot of people here is the difference between the economic benefit and the health risks. And I'm just going to say it, you know, I don't think, 
I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I don't think that leaving tourists to sort of travel Rome freely and then keeping locals home is benefiting the economy. I think it's one of these half steps that we've seen in a lot of cases around the world where it's like, okay, these are the choices we have to make. We have to make this either health choice or this economic choice. And I don't think you do. There's a better way. They're not mutually exclusive. It doesn't mean like every, everybody's locked down, the economy has to shut down. There are ways to keep the economy moving in a reasonable pace and keep people healthy as well. You can do both, but I think the 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 framing of this is always you can only do one or the other. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think letting tourists roam is really going to help the economy that much, uh, especially since, um, you know, the, the, the COVID cases are so high and the residents who are the vast majority of people in Turkey uh, can't go out, right? So the businesses are closed. That's really what's going to affect the economy. I don't think the fewer, the much fewer tourists who are there are going to keep things running. Because if those people are out, then you've got the workers who are out. And, you know, so it's sort of this bizarre kind of situation. I don't think it's the best best solution. Um, and it says in this article, a few locals insiders spoke to did say that it was important to keep the struggling tourism sector afloat. According to the World Travel and Tourism Council, 9.4% of Turkey's total employment is tourism related. Um, and it says the streets were quite empty and it could be a little scary to be out alone at night, especially as a solo female traveler. Uh, this person said of the weekend lockdown, but she added that locals were friendly and she enjoyed a visit to uh, Hagia Sophia with what she assumed was only a fraction of the usual crowds. She advised tourists to carry their passports with them because of the frequent checkpoints she encountered. So I guess if you do have a foreign uh, passport, that's that's the one to carry with you. Uh, and she goes on to say, as to whether my decision was worth it, I personally believe that life is all about weighing the risks and making the appropriate choices. While it seems to many that I have taken an unnecessary risk during such a period, I believe that my experiences have been worth it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a funny thing that talking about controversial videos and takes, you know, we, we've talked a lot about this with past travel blogger guests, you know, about this sort of travel shaming, you know, there's a lot of influencers and travel bloggers for us just still traveling you know they're talking about oh Croatia's really really great I got to travel to Mexico and that was great and I'm like you know you guys are kind of leaving out this huge elephant in the room which is COVID right like do you I mean I I don't I don't know I mean if do you you know I don't know if it's shaming but like okay you haven't been able to travel for the last eight months right since March more or less you know, is that that big of a deal? I mean, maybe maybe I'm on my high horse here having traveled as much as I have. But honestly, I, I, you can wait a year or two. I mean, I miss it. Believe me, I miss traveling. I do. But I mean, is it the worst thing in the world to happen? Not really. You know, there's plenty of places to visit around where I am, you know, to go into nature. Where I can do things that are not going to involve me, you know, traveling. Like, they're going to not involve me getting in close contact with people, riding public transportation, and so on. So, you know, do I need to fly halfway, you know, across the planet for a vacation? You know, I I, I don't think so. I don't I don't I don't have that that need that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I kind of feel like people are just kind of neglecting that. It's like, yeah, the countries are open, but I mean, like, 
do you really need to, i mean is it really that crazy i mean i don't i don't know if this is shaming and i'm just arguing with people that i don't even know on the internet you know i mean yeah it's great it's great if you want to travel to tokyo you know that's i'm very uh it's always flattering that people want to visit you know visit my country but at the same time you know do, do you I, i don't know it, it just seems kind of odd to me the, the people are talking about this as if they've never been able to travel it's like it's only it's not even been a year it's not even been a year and i'm sure there are places to travel from where you are uh, so there's this alexander worthington a 28 year old realtor from gainesville florida chose istanbul because one of the few destinations that allow americans to enter and doesn't require a quarantine but i also don't know if that's the best policy i mean i i don't know if that's the smartest idea um for you know this is the smartest policy for a country to implement Uh, he told Insider he had an amazing time as everything during the week was open and business as usual, besides restaurants, which are ticket only. On the weekend during lockdown, he said streets were a lot less busy, though there was still a lot of movement, and that while most local shops and restaurants were closed, the tourist-type venues were still open, though he said that police wouldn't allow locals in. Honestly, he doesn't... It does, honestly, it doesn't make sense, he said, the partial lockdown, especially in my case. I had a guide and he couldn't take me to many parts of the city. I had to go on my own because of it. Locals were upset, he added. But can you blame them? They shouldn't be under a lockdown if the tourists aren't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, don't you, I mean, of course. Like, imagine in your country if they implemented the same policy. I'm sure you'd be pissed. Not only just because... You know, it's not a scientifically based policy, but as someone who pays taxes in a country, you know, someone who in theory is a part of the of the functioning of that nation um, to, to be under lockdown while while visitors aren't. It just it's kind of seems like a slap in the face. Right. Like, I mean, I don't I don't know if there's any other way to take that, you know, um, all, just based on the fact that there's no. There's no benefit to it. Um, and it said, according to Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Research Center, at the time of writing, Turkey saw 1.8 million confirmed cases of the coronavirus and over 16,400 deaths. December saw a record number of new cases with over 30 times the average number of daily reported cases than in previous months. However, a few local sources told Insider that they believe the government purposefully misrepresented the number of cases for months making the situation look better than it really was. It's not a new theory. As the AP reports, Turkey's government has been accused by the Turkish Medical Association of underreporting cases by only counting those positive cases that displayed symptoms instead of all positive cases. Per Reuters, Turkey's health ministry began reporting asymptomatic cases as well as, eight, as, well as symptomatic cases on November 25th. The country is currently reporting 30,000 new infections a day, And the number of deaths from coronavirus has more than doubled in the last three weeks. You know, and we're right now on the verge of vaccines. We're getting vaccines approved everywhere. We see the vaccines are going to be out. Uh, but right now, as it stands, Turkey ranks fourth in the world in terms of number of new cases behind much larger countries like the U.S., India, and Brazil. Turkey reopened its border to visitors, including U.S. citizens, back in June. Um, so... Uh, and experts say that a lockdown for only part of the population for only part of the week cannot be effective. Uh, let's see. So Dr. Amesh Adal Adalja, senior scholar 
uh, with a focus on emergency inf emerging infectious diseases at the Johns Hopkins University for Health Security, told Insider, return to lockdown policies, even partial, is an indication that a country did not invest in public health infrastructure needed to keep cases to a manageable level. I suspect these measures will only have a marginal impact on cases and would favor an approach that was targeted to how people are getting infected there. Um, so, you know, I could keep going on. Uh, you know, basically, it talks about how, you know, these partial lockdowns aren't very effective. And obviously, the dual lockdown system is even less effective. Um, and so on. And it says people are not happy. I think they think there should be a lockdown for everyone. Um, and so on, and so on. You know, so I feel like this is a case of uh, trying to have it both ways. And I think we've seen, um, at least with this pandemic, that that you can't really do that. And I would hope, uh, you know, I'm not very hopeful on this, but if, you know, if there is another pandemic and there will be another pandemic at some point in the future, that we handle it a little bit more wisely around the world. You know, we, we kind of got lucky with this one. I mean, the, the, the death rate is pretty low, you know, as far as an infectious disease, it's pretty low. So it's, imagine one that had has a much higher infectiousness rate, a much higher death rate, you know, th this is, this seems to me like this is the test, right? This is the one where it's like, how, how well did we do? And I don't know if we did that well. And I think, you know, the next time this happens and all the experts say it will happen again at some point, I don't think, I don't think we can get away with this, with the same sort of illogical strategies in the future. Anyway, that's that. Um, now let's talk about some controversial things. We're going to talk about responding to my most controversial videos. Um, and not all of them, but it was just a few. I thought it'd be a little bit of fun especially as we do this end of the year roundup. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. All right. So I, I wanted to talk about this, but I didn't have a chance in the podcast and I've got a video coming out about it, but I, I wanted to respond to some people, especially that got really fired up uh, over a couple of videos, but one most recently, which was where I attended, uh, I filmed at a, at a, the million MAGA March and a lot of people were very upset with me. A lot of people were pretty upset with me and unhappy that I made that video. Um, so I want to talk about that. But obviously, there have been other controversial videos. Like I went to India and got scammed on purpose twice. Those were controversial. Earlier this year, I made a video comparing India and Pakistan. That, that was uh, surprisingly controversial. Maybe, you know, ironically, surprisingly con uh, controversial. Uh, I also made one about Turkish Airlines and they're just terrible, terrible, terrible customer service when it comes to uh, giving people refunds for flights they canceled due to COVID and changing their policies without notifying their customers. Oh yeah, I got a lot of hate about that, but I, you know what? <laughs> I stand by that. I, I don't, I, we'll get into that. Let's, let's talk about it. All right, let's start with the the Trump rally. So this was... The Million MAGA March, these were people who were demonstrating in Washington, D.C., from the Capitol building towards Supreme Court. They were protesting the results of the U.S. Uh, national election between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And I went because I was curious. You know, this was 
a couple weeks after it was about a week or yeah a week after the election results were sort of confirmed so after the last electoral votes came in that you know, there were a couple of swing states and that pretty much sealed the uh, election for Joe Biden but i was curious you know why were people this many people and there were thousands tens of thousands of people there there were a lot of people there um why were they demonstrating what what was the the point of that you know that was sort of the basis of that video in my mind which was you know that's how most of my videos and posts start right from a, a, a this nugget of curiosity you know when it comes to like a tech video you can often see that there's a theme to each video and every video has kind of a different theme um, but if you watch them you can kind of figure out like that that thing that i was curious about or that that question that i had um, and obviously the point is always to help you travel smarter and make content that i would want to either read or watch and that was the case here i was just really curious uh, you know why were people here so that's what i asked them what do you you know what brought you what brought you here today that was my question that was the same question i asked for everybody and um, i want to do I knew that when I asked that, so when people ask me, you know, who are you with? And I always, I, I tell them, you know, I'm independent media and I just want to know what brought you here today. And I genuinely mean that. And I, I meant that when I say that. So I wanted to get people's honest word. I didn't want to edit the content too much. Um, I did, some people like to talk. And uh, so I cut it, you know, cut it for time, but I didn't want to cut people's responses to to make them look a certain way you know going into it I, I very early on i felt that i wanted to get the raw take because you know the longer people went on the more sort of interesting things got and i was really really surprised by the responses i didn't know the responses i was going to get i think a lot of the people that were complaining were a why are you there and why didn't you you know why didn't you talk back to people and question their beliefs and I didn't feel like that was my purpose of being there I didn't think that would help you as the viewer and I didn't think it was it wasn't really what I had in mind I was really just curious why people were there and I got some really interesting responses you know there were uh, people who believed that the election there was election fraud there were people who believed in other conspiracy theories there were people who told me a lot of things which I didn't expect. And I didn't expect the crowd to be so so diverse and so different. I was very surprised. Um, so that that was the thinking into that. A lot of people took my being there as an endorsement. And, and my take on that is I have been to many things. I have filmed many places and events around the world. It does not always necessarily mean I am endorsing that thing. I might personally endorse that thing. I might not, but that doesn't necessarily mean it. If I'm if I'm filming uh, uh, something, you know, I think back at when I went to the Opium Festival. Am I pro opium? I don't know. Does it matter? No. Am I gonna say not really? Do I have that many thoughts about it? No. I just thought it was something that was really bizarre and interesting, and I wanted to go to and I wanted to see that event and show it to you as real as I could show it to you. Um, you know, so that's sort of my take on it. Um, and people got upset. You know, the strange thing is, is an equal number of people didn't get upset watching the video right before that, which was a video, me asking people, 
why they were uh, in D.C. the night the election results were sort of uh, confirmed and D.C. turned into a huge party. Um, So, and this is way more politics than than I, I like to get into, but I just think that, you know, as far as, you know, my involvement in a video, you know, do I do I need to talk back to people? Do I need to question their beliefs? I mean, it's kind of rude, at, you know, in a sense, if I'm telling them, hey, I just want to hear why you're here. So, you know, if, if I had a different motive or if I was going to edit the video differently, or if I was going to respond or interact with people, that would be different. But also, you know, there's logistical differences here. There are things in play here as well. One, I'm filming myself. I didn't have anybody there to help me film. So I've got the camera in front of me. It's very loud. There's a lot of surrounding noise. So a lot of times, a lot of times, especially because, you know, I have my mask on. Some people did have masks on there, but most people didn't. But when I'm filming people in those loud environments, you know, a lot of times I don't catch everything they say as they say it. And the reason is because I'm I'm looking at this camera monitor i'm trying to make sure that the sound levels are right so that the microphone is picking things up that's number one concern i feel like if the microphone doesn't get things then it's been a wasted opportunity and i'm not going to catch what that person said so i'm looking at the monitor i'm looking at the audio levels i'm making sure that the exposure is right and i'm trying to hear over the crowd behind me but also there's this camera in my face and this is something that a lot of people mentioned to me. They were like, you were so close to all those people. Like, you are so close. Like, you know, weren't worried about coronavirus or anything. And the lens that I have and the 4K crop factor on my camera um, makes it look a lot closer than I am. So I will be, there will be a change in my lens and camera setup coming up very, very soon. Make sure you watch on Fox Nomad YouTube and you'll you'll see it. But um, right now, the lens and this the the camera sensor that I have crops in a lot when I shoot in 4K and I shoot everything in 4K. So it looks a lot closer than I am. It's actually a lot, it's not a wide angle. It's not as wide as uh, of a view as it could be with the lens. So the, there's sort of this uh, misconception of, of how close I might be. So if it looks like I'm right up in somebody's face, often I'm not, I'm just zoomed in, or I'm trying to get as wide of an angle as a shot as I can. Uh, the microphone is separate, so I can take the microphone off and I can point it kind of out of frame and get the microphone, get the person's voice recording. So anyway, you hear all these things that I'm thinking about as I'm recording people. Uh, I think if I was going to do something a little bit more interactive, I'd choose a quieter place and I'd probably have someone come along and film just to just so I wouldn't have to worry about the logistics. It's one of the reasons that I like doing the podcast so much is because there are less logistics for me to have to figure out, you know, there's, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll have a studio set up for recording so I can have video, but I, I do like the audio only general sort of release of the podcast because then I can focus on my words. It's a little bit more free form and, and maybe it's a little bit more interesting for you to get these kind of behind the scenes details. Um, so that was that, uh, you know, a lot of times people want me to to comment on the content. I feel like the content is my comment on the thing. Um, and I feel like uh, unless I didn't say what I wanted to say or my message or the thing I wanted to say wasn't clear, then I'm, you know, I might put like a, an update in, a, in the comments. I might issue a follow-up post or something like that. But generally, 
that's sort of my like if i don't like a tech product i don't like it that's my comment a lot of times i'm wrong a lot of times there's a firmware update that was the case with the dji osmo action video i made that uh, i think in march or something along somewhere around then but so i made this video i didn't like the osmo action for a lot of reasons everyone told me in the comments hey you dude you, you need to to update the firmware all those things that you mentioned pretty much have been fixed so that's what i did I didn't realize there was a firmware update, made the firmware update, made an update video right after that video to address those concerns. That was a case where I went back. But there are other products that I've reviewed that I didn't like. And there was no, unfortunately, no firmware update magically to fix all my concerns. And that's just how it stands, whether people, whether you agree with it or not. You know, there's all of these videos, all the content I make is obviously biased. It's coming from my personal viewpoint. Um, but if you watch enough of, of my content, if you read enough of my content, if you listen to the podcast enough, you'll be able to sort of calibrate yourself to, to my personal preferences, the things I like, the things I find interesting, the things I don't like. And I think a lot of the controversy that was generated by a lot of this content are from people who don't know enough of my content to have that calibration. Um, you know, a couple of the videos like, me talking about Turkish Airlines, like they've done, they didn't refund me. They haven't refunded a whole bunch of people for canceled flights. They changed their policies without notifying people and so on. You know, you can find that video on YouTube if you want, but a lot of people got upset with me about that, um, which I found strange. Like, well, this is a company, they did this and I'm talking about it. Here's why I'm upset. Here's what I think they can do better. And here's how you can protect yourself from this kind of stuff. You know, that th that was sort of the take when people want me to comment more. Why did you make this video? And da da da. Well, I just that's why I made it. That it was it was in the content right there. Um, so, you know, I think I'll, you might not you know like the theme or the subject <clears throat> of of the content I make, but it's a really big world with a lot of stuff in it. You probably won't like everything, and I'm okay with that. And, and I expect that. Although I try to make everything that's you know you'll enjoy and you'll find useful the beginning of any content i make is what i find it useful and what i watch it what i read it what i listen to it that's always the beginning it's a little bit of a maybe a little bit narcissistic to think that way but it's it's reliable for me i try to make you know stuff that i would want to consume either watch read listen uh, because it's fun for me and I think that will make better content. If I'm making stuff I don't like making, then then I, I wouldn't be able to have done this for this many years. And I wouldn't be able to continue doing these kind of things because it would be more be more like laborious work than something I actually enjoy. Uh, so there you go. I I hope that helps. I guess address some of those concerns and comments and. Uh, you know, a lot of people also got pissed off at me about this. Every travel influencer ever video, uh, yeah, they got upset with me, especially with the thumbnail, which Google took down recently. So I had to replace it with a more, a worse thumbnail, which I think is funnier. You can watch that video too and, and let me know what you think. But um, that's my comment on that. So there you go. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found it useful. Uh, I didn't I hope I was able to say what I wanted to say. Now when I'm editing and listening back to it, I guess I'll find out. But now something a little bit more 
a lighter note, uh, something a little bit happier. I'm going to talk about one year of doing the Fox Nomad podcast right after this. I cannot believe it that 366 days ago, when this podcast comes out, I started the Fox Nomad podcast. And in that first episode, I talked a little bit about why I wanted to start a podcast, the multiple attempts I made with other co-hosts to do various specific focused podcasts. Um, it's in a crazy list of the number of people that I've actually recorded test podcasts with. And sometimes two test podcasts with and you know i just kept thinking like there's the best way to learn something is to do it you know there's preparation you can do the preparation ahead of time all of that is great and you, you should do that with a lot of stuff but the best way to learn and to get started is to actually get started you know that that's the hardest part and i knew there was going to be this big learning curve i found this big learning curve in writing you know i can now put my thoughts together in the written form, I feel like, in a way that is coherent, interesting to read uh, very quickly. I feel like I can get my points down on, quote, paper, but I mean the computer, very easily. And I feel like, um, you know, that's a skill that I have developed over the last 11 years of blogging. And with video, I feel like I'm just sort of getting to a place, like just the very, very very beginning of getting comfortable on camera, which clearly was an issue in my early videos. I was very just stiff and blah, blah, blah. But also getting to a point where I could film and sort of storyboard and get the shots that I want to get that will accompany the talking part of the video. Uh, so there's been a huge evolution there. And I feel like I'm just getting to that. And when it comes to podcasting, I knew that would happen as well. I knew there would be this big learning curve. Um, and I'm still in the very, very beginning of that. Uh, but I knew that the only way to find out those things, those practical considerations was to actually do the podcast. So last winter, last December, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I have a couple of things I want to talk about. I really wanted a place where I can discuss travel news. I can talk to interesting people. I really wanted a place where we can go behind the scenes of filming certain things. This was just right before CES. There's all this behind the scenes stuff that happens which I thought might be interesting for you. And I get a lot of questions that, you know, where the, the blog or YouTube don't make a lot of sense to respond to. It's not the best place to respond to it. So that's why I wanted to do it. Uh, I, I originally also considered doing this podcast in Turkish. So I thought, you know, I don't make really any Turkish language content. Um, but then I realized, or, you know, the more I thought about it, Pretty much all of the content I have online is in English. This is accompanying all that English content. So it just makes sense for now to sort of have that there. And, you know, with all the the trouble I had with co-hosts, I mean, not trouble, it's just we couldn't ever coordinate properly to get things done. And, you know, people wanted these practice trial runs and all that stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to do it myself. Blah. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, and... Looking back over the past year, let's just go through some stats. So this is the 32nd episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. That each episode is about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. So that's a solid, a solid 30 hours of content. <laughs> that's It doesn't seem like a lot when I put it that way. I'm like, oh, this is just, you could listen to me from this moment 
until the same moment next day and you'd be done with a year of the podcast. Um, so there have been 32 episodes of the Fox Nomad podcast. Multiple times this year, the podcast has been in the top 50, the top 25, and up to the top seven in tech on Apple Podcasts. So I, I can't thank you enough for that. That's just a huge help. The one thing I'll ask you is uh, a five-star review wherever you're listening to the Fox Nomad podcast. And if I'm looking at the stats right now, so I just pulled them up, most of you are listening. The majority of you are listening on Apple devices. So the number one spot is on Apple devices. The number two spot is on Chrome. So I suspect a lot of you are listening through uh, my site. So sometimes I post episodes on foxnomad.com. Um, so I sus suspect many of you listening there. And then close behind that is our on Android devices, but doesn't give me much more uh, information than that. And then we've got this Apple Core Media, which I think are Apple Watches, things that are not directly on Apple Podcasts. So that might be people with Apple Watches. And then a, a bunch of other smaller things. Top countries, let's see, can you guess? We'll give you a second. Top countries for the Fox Nomad Podcast. We've got the United States, number one, United Kingdom, number two, Canada, number three. All right, not surprising because, you know, English-speaking majority is there. The podcast is in English. Um, but I do have significant uh, section of people in from Turkey, Croatia, Australia, so and a bunch of other countries. I mean, we're represented in a lot of countries around the world. So thank you for that. Uh, let's see what other stuff can I pull up from here. The most downloaded time of the day, <laughs> if you want all those stats, is around. All right, if we're doing New York time, it's around 8 a.m. on New York time on Fridays. No surprise there. That's when most people, that's when the podcast generally goes out. That's when they're generally scheduled. So that's when those initial downloads for subscribers happen. But I have noticed this sort of uh, kind of uh, rebounds. Over the weekend, there's this kind of wave of you listening to the podcast. This is kind of interesting to see. There's kind of almost this delay. Podcast goes out and then there's this sort of wave over the weekend where people listen, which I think is very interesting. Uh, just going back more, uh, let's see. So yeah, and originally the podcast was going to be just me. Um, then COVID started to hit and I decided, hey, let me talk to some people I know and see how things are going from where they are in the world. And you know, traveling just pretty much shut down. So I thought that would be interesting. It wasn't the original plan. I didn't think to have guests on the podcast. But I'm glad it worked out that way. I'm glad it does work out that way um, because I can give, you know, interesting insights from other people. I think you enjoy those uh, guest episodes. If there are certain types of guests or topics you want me to bring on, please let me know. I'll be happy to see and if I can get those people or experts in that field that you want me to speak to. Um, and yeah, let's see. I'm just looking through my notes, looking through other stats, but you know, all I can say is I'm just really proud of the content. I'm really proud of the content and the feedback I've gotten from you. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. I'm still amazed that so many people are listening, you know, like, especially when it's just me talking. I'm like, wow, it's, it's just really nice. So I, I really appreciate it. Your feedback has helped define what I talk about in a lot of episodes. It's it's helped sort of navigate the podcast. 
Um, a couple of things that I want to improve on. Uh, one is sort of tightening down each episode, uh, especially when it's just me, sort of tightening things down to cut out the fluff, to cut out the fat so that it, every word is efficient. You know, it kind of gets out all the extra stuff. So I'm working on that and hopefully I've gotten better about that over time. I want to make more episodes. So I want to try to get into a workflow where I can make more episodes. Um, but you have noticed that there are sort of those bonus episodes. So a lot of times you'll see one or two episodes a week, uh, which hopefully we can keep up. I have a, a very interesting lineup of guests coming up in the early part of 2021. Travel, I'm assuming, will start to resume to normal at some point next year. The vaccine, coronavirus vaccine is coming out. So I'll have location spots. Uh, we have some live live podcasts and things like that. Um, and then, of course, uh, I would like to 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 sort of set up a video kind of a, a video space for this. But but these are all things that are are, are future thoughts. Um, but right now, this is sort of a look back. And if I'm looking back on YouTube, YouTube sent me this. Uh, it sends all the creators this with sort of a, a look back on your year. And I just wanted to mention that I made over the last year so far 116 videos, which got two th over 2,000, over 27,000 likes and a 160% increase in subscribers. So thank you very much for your support there. And on foxnomad.com, I wrote 76 blog posts and there's still two weeks left in the year. Those numbers will all go up. It is the middle of tech season. Right now, I'm I've got a major order of stuff coming for reviews. So I'm going to try to get those reviews all out by the end of the year. Um, should I tease some of this stuff? I don't know. Uh, let's see. We got some, ooh, some, if, if you like audio, if you like, if you like listening to stuff, music, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for you. If you're a developer, got some interesting stuff coming up for you. If you are someone who wants portable, powerful, Devices you can work on, hint, hint. You're going to get some of that. Um, and yeah, that camera and that new lens that I've been talking about. I'm going to review that as well. I think once I get that in, I think it's going to be worth talking about that. And maybe I won't have to stand so far away from people. Maybe we can get closer to people. Maybe we can get some, some of that. But uh, thank you very much for this past year of the Fox Nomad podcast. Of course, if you have any feedback right now, let me know at Twitter at Fox Nomad. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. You can also email me as well, foxnomad.com slash contact. Thank you for the next, uh, for the past year. And hopefully you stick around for the next year and enjoy what's coming up. But of course, if you have any suggestions, please do let me know. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll talk to you in the next episode.